financial matters are really just another knowledge database and another skill set. And there's nothing magical or special about it. It's just a lingo that we're not used to. Welcome to The Financial Checkup, a podcast series devoted to improving the financial health and retirement readiness of physicians and their spouses or common law partners. This series is brought to you by the award-winning Advantages Retirement Plan from OMA Insurance. Hello, I'm Priya Singh Kushni, Director at OMA Insurance, plan sponsor of the award-winning Advantages Retirement Plan for Ontario Doctors. This program is the first of its kind group retirement savings plan designed to help physicians, their spouse, and common law partners. The purpose of the plan is to help medical students, residents, and physicians begin saving for retirement at any stage of their life and career. The Retirement Talk series is where we invite physicians from across the province to get personal with us on what retirement will look like for them and share how they are preparing for the next phase. In this episode, I'm very pleased to be welcoming Dr. Samantha Hill, cardiac surgeon and immediate past president of the OMA. Welcome, Dr. Hill. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here, Priya. Excellent. It's really a pleasure to have you. And uh, when we look at the whole journey of talking about retirement and just what we're seeing amongst Canadians in many different spaces and practices in their life, we're finding that physicians typically opt to gradually unwind their practice during their income earning activities. Perhaps you might be considering what transition looks like for you and how you'll be spending your time enjoying the next chapter of your life. Today, I'm really excited to learn more about you. And before we actually begin, I want to invite you to share just a bit more about who you are, how you got into medicine, and what your thoughts are on where you are right now when it comes to retirement planning. Thanks so much for that. So um, you would think that most members are sick of hearing from me by now, but a little bit about me. I'm a single mom. I have two kids. I'm a cardiac surgeon in downtown Toronto, and I come from a very middle to lower socioeconomic class upbringing. My parents did the best they could with what they had, and we were very privileged, my sister and I, to go to a school that took care of us both culturally and academically and really set us on good tracks for life thereafter. But when it comes to financial literacy or planning for retirement, None of that was dinner table conversation at my house. My house conversation was more about how do you afford milk next week? And so thinking in the future, it's a very different skill set. And I suspect there's actually quite a few of us in medicine who come to medicine without any knowledge of how to manage money or what to do with money. And for a long time, the go-to for all of us was MD Financial. And of course, that's changed recently. But that's really where I began learning about money, learning about what money means and what it doesn't mean, trying to project into the future. And you asked where I am with respect to my retirement planning. I think I'm still at the work hard, save money stage. Absolutely. That's really interesting to get to know you, uh, you know, just where you've uh, been how you've been brought up and just your current uh, situation being a, a, a single mom as well and a professional and going through this journey of thinking about just what you do next I think is a commonality that uh, is shared amongst the membership because when we did the research to create the advantages retirement program we did discover that 47% of physicians between 35 and 49 felt they were only somewhat prepared for retirement 
about 51% of them uh, said they were somewhat more confident or that their family will have enough money to retain a comfortable lifestyle post-retirement. And 23% of 65 plus don't actually contribute to a retirement savings plan. So when thinking about your own personal situation and knowing what you've just mentioned, which is, you know, just your upbringing and that it wasn't kitchen table talk to learn about, you know, finances, what would you say you're doing now to help with educating yourself on retirement and being more prepared? It's a good question. So the first part is just trying to learn more. Money is very intimidating for many of us. Um, accountants are intimidating, actuaries are intimidating, financial advisors are intimidating. You would think after all our years of professional schooling that we'd have realized by now that it's just another skill set, but many of us really don't. And we look towards these advisors as if they had a magical lens that foretold the future. So one of the things that I've really learned over the last, let's say, 10 years of trying to become more knowledgeable is that financial matters are really just another knowledge database and another skill set. And there's nothing magical or special about it. It's just a lingo that we're not used to. And we've been able to acquire so much vast quantities of data and whatever our individual specialties are. But I'm absolutely certain we can all learn enough about money, not necessarily to advise others, but to be much more comfortable in these conversations. And so that's one of the first things that I've been doing. And one of the things that I would really suggest to everyone to do once you get past that first hump of your first year or two of practice and things start to settle into a little more of a routine, it's a great time to start picking up some books, reading a little bit exploring various groups online and just informing yourself about all the things you don't know. But apart from learning, the biggest thing that I think I do that sets me up for a reasonable retirement is really about how much I spend. And so early Mm -hmm. on, someone said to me, just keep spending like you're still a student. Right. And those are probably the best words of advice I've ever gotten. There are so many people who even in residency start to accumulate debt or in their first couple of years at a practice spend their entire income because let's face it, it's been 10 hard years or so getting to that point. We all want a little bit of a party. We feel like we deserve whatever the fancy sports car, speedboat, whatever it is. But The money that you save at the beginning of your career is worth so much more than the money you save at the end of your career, that even taking an extra two or three years to put away as much as you can and really stockpile that money, I think makes a big difference when you're in your 40s and looking forward. And I suspect it'll make an even bigger difference when I'm in my 50s and looking forward. That is so interesting. I mean, you know, going from, you know, self-educating, reading, taking the time to grow your knowledge to really powerful what you just said there, Dr. Hill, you know, spend as if you were still a student. I think that's really interesting. And and it is a concept that is challenging when you do start to see the loans that you're able to qualify for from the different financial institutions. And then of course, when you do get into practice, uh, the income stream starts to make you tempted to buy that fancy item. So it's really interesting. And I love that perspective. So when you think about yourself again, in terms of retirement, what would you say is your biggest worry when you retire? Is it fair to say I'm not actually worried about it? Absolutely. <laughs> so, tell, so that's fantastic. I actually like that. And why aren't you worried about it? 
I'm not worried about it because I feel like I've done my due diligence. I have insurance policies in place in case I can't work. Um, I look forward to being able to continue to generate income at a very similar level to what I'm currently generating for at least another decade. Um, and my biggest spending, my biggest uh, expense is really around my kids' school. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully by the time I am ready to retire, my house should be paid off. My kids should be out of depending on me for school. I paid my way through university. And while I'd love to help them, I'm sure they can do the same. And so I really, I look forward to the sense that all of the work that I've done has set myself and my children up for an empowered future where money is important, but it's not the be all and end all. And we can focus on being good citizens of the world and contributing to our cultures, our environments, our communities, and really the bigger problems at hand in front of us, like the climate crisis or equity issues. You know, there's just There's so many more important things out there to worry about than money that if I, as a physician who, you know, has to be in the top 10% of earners in Ontario, can't get there, it would be really disappointing. And so I'm not terribly worried, but a large part of that really is based on lifestyle. I don't own a car. I don't own a boat. I didn't buy a big house with lots of acres in Thornhill or whatever the other fancy (laughs) places are. I live basic. I live in a way that is in keeping with my values. I don't need all of the fancy things and I don't think that they will make me particularly happy. I'd rather save my money to spend on trips to international places to see other cultures when COVID is over. And so in some ways, I guess COVID has helped me save some money. (laughs) When I look towards retirement, I also don't think I'm going to need that much money in my retirement because in essence, you want to maintain the same lifestyle that you're currently living. And the amount I spend from year to year from what I've been led to believe is far less than some of my colleagues. And so if I continue living a very similar lifestyle, I don't need that much money put aside. That is so interesting. And, you know, it's really down to the core. It really is about your lifestyle and the choices you make and sort of the value system that you have when it comes to money as well. And you definitely have a value system that's been as much as the awareness of how you were raised and and having that transcend into how you are, you know, treating money and the value of it when it comes to your own, you know, income spend and lifestyle right now, it's actually showing very true that it, that somewhere down the line, uh, which leads me to my next question, while there might've been not kitchen table talk, there was somehow someone in your life that may have inspired you to have this sort of value system. Can you share a little bit more with me on any advice that you've had along the way that's helped you to reinforce what you're currently doing so that you do have that sound retirement? Sure. So, I mean, a lot of my values obviously come from my parents and my immediate family. And the idea of not needing to keep up with the Joneses is very much something I acquired as a a young child and just really not being overly concerned with what other people do or don't have as far as reflecting what I do or don't want, because you never know their whole story and everything is only a glimpse into someone else's life. And so maybe they have, I don't know, some fancy house that you covet, but the truth is they haven't paid it off and they're in debt for it or something like that. You never know the whole story. And so just that, that not comparing yourself to others has been 
really important. And it's been challenged a few times as I got older and saw things around me. But, you know, you make it long enough and you start to realize that some of those stories that look happy ever after aren't so happy ever after. And you just, I focus inwards. I focus on me. I focus on my family and what I can do that is consistent with that. So that's part of it. We already spoke about the idea to spend like a student for a few years. That was very early. Um, Another piece of advice I got very early on was differentiating between good debt and bad debt. Mm -hmm. And so what I mean by that is if you take out a loan to buy something like a house that's going to increase in value or should increase in value, there's no fortune teller, but that is considered good debt because that's money that although you're paying for it, it's working for you. Right. Whereas if you take out a loan to buy a Louis Vuitton purse, the chances (laughs) are that that which every woman wants, (laughs) chances are that that purse isn't actually increasing in value. Right. Um, And maybe I'm speaking a turn here because having never owned one, maybe they do, but that kind of idea that there are lots of things that people buy that decrease in value, even the second you walk out of the store or off the parking lot with them. And so taking it alone for those kinds of things is just throwing away money. You wait until you can afford it unless it's a need. And so that was another piece of good advice. And then the last couple of pieces of good advice, some of which I took and some of which I didn't, but were around your home life. Um, So we talked about how a lot of your financial setting is really about your lifestyle and the idea of don't get divorced or get a prenup before you get married is something Mm -hmm. that's very unsexy. Can I say that on radio? It's very unsexy to talk about when you're in your 18, 20 year old phase and you're head over heels for someone. Right. But it's really good advice for everyone. You know, a respectful relationship between two people should be able to talk about money in the future. And if you can't have that conversation, maybe that's a red flag right there. Very, very, very important. Definitely. to. It's tough conversations, but it's it's absolutely necessary, especially if You'll learn as well if you share the same values with your future partner as well when it comes to money, because that also creates a bit of a disparity is when you have different opinions as a couple when it comes to how you save. So great advice there. When you think about yourself uh, and other young female physicians who are in their early practice years, what advice would you give them when it comes to saving? That's a hard one. You know, Practically, I would say if you're planning to have kids, try and clump them closer together so your childcare costs are combined as opposed to extended over multiple years. Consider the whole public versus private school thing. You know, our public school system here is excellent, but maybe it affects where you buy or where you decide to live when your kids are younger, those kinds of questions. But really, I think if I was going to give one piece of overarching advice to young women beginning their career is that the only limits that exist are the ones that you set for yourself. And that's true in your career. It's true in academia. It's true in your financial life. So take some time early on, figure out what's important to you, what you value, what at the end of the day is going to matter and what is going to be gravy or icing cake or whatever. It's just If you figure out your values early, you can live in a consistent fashion with them. And that ultimately brings you to a place of profound contentment that you can't 
buy even with millions of dollars in your retirement saving plan. Wow, that's very powerful. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm actually going to take that advice myself because that is so powerful. What are you most looking forward to when you retire? So I have a daydream that at some point there will be a house outside of a city with a couple of acres of land with either a greenhouse or some kind of hobby farm, animals, place where my kids and my grandkids will want to come and visit, a place where I can grow old and live out the rest of my life in an ecologically, environmentally sustainable fashion, really connected to water and trees and greenery around me. And I haven't found it yet, but I, I think I'm on the right path. And I look forward to figuring out where this place is and what it looks like in its entirety. You just painted a beautiful picture. Um, and I do hope that you find that beautiful place because it sounds peaceful and it just, it's, it's what you deserve, especially when you work so hard as a physician, uh, for majority of your life. So I hope you find that picturesque house in that environment because it just really does sound beautiful. As we are getting close to wrapping up, Dr. Hill, are there any last comments that you have, uh, for our audience? Any last words? I would just say that if you're in the same place I was and you don't know a lot about money, um, to go out and start getting yourself informed. It's never too early to start. We developed the Advantages Retirement Plan at the OMA, as you are well aware, Priya, but it's a good place to start. It's been vetted by some people who know a lot more than I do about money, and it's an excellent foundational setting. And the more you learn and the more you read, the less scary this will all become. So go out, start the process, and you'll be amazed where you can wind up in 10 years. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Hill. It was an absolute pleasure speaking to you, getting to learn more about you uh, and your advice, you know, is sharing it with the rest of our listeners today. For everyone listening, thank you so much for listening to the Financial Checkup. As Dr. Hill said, if you are an Ontario physician, please check out the Advantages Retirement Plan at omainsurance.com retire or email us at info at omainsurance.com for more tips, education, to help you on your path to retirement readiness. Thanks, everyone. The Financial Checkup Series is produced in collaboration with OMA Insurance and Commonwealth, the administration and technology partner for the Advantages Retirement Plan.